We're five months into a series right now. The series overall is called Growing Forward. We're five months into this series, and we've been taking snippets along the way. We've done some looking back, uh, saw that we were created by God, placed by God. Genesis 3, broken by choice, but Psalm 139, even in spite of our brokenness, the Lord still loves and pursues us. Setting the table, not only do we look back, but we look forward. And there is a reality. There is a time to die. There is a time to stand. And for those redeemed in Christ, there is a time to reign with the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Bring it now. Like, bring it now. Um, but we live here now. And, and in the fulcrum point of all of redemptive history, uh, we then took a look back to the cross and the resurrection and the work of Christ on the cross and rising from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death, and making the provision of his work available to all who would receive his work. And out of that, at that time of when coming to Christ, uh, we saw how uh, we are made new. Made new, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, made new, a new creation takes place. But not only are we made new, we are also, we saw, called to new. And not only are we called to new by God, but we are equipped for that new. And so it is out of that, we then kind of are asking the question, okay, so knowing all of that, how do we then do that? Let's that, keep that as the foundation, as our base of, of how we now go about doing life. How do we do that? And so we began a few Sundays ago, four areas I've been having us key in on, trying to make this simple and, and, and grabbable and, and all of that with it as we move ahead. What does it look like to live new for the Lord? And we began with this. It begins with being serious and tenacious about our thinking. Friends, life happens here. Life happens here. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? Transformed by the renewing of your minds. Biblically, the scriptures talk about the heart, talk about the mind. And in our culture, if you go back in Middle Eastern days, they would point to the heart, the kind of the core, the, the bowels of the person would be the conversation of it. For us and how we think the same thing, the control center is right here. This is how in our culture we think of it. So that's where I go. It's right here. This is where life in Christ takes place. And this is where uh, life new in Christ. Truth of the matter is the war is not out there. The war is in here. The war is in here in each of our thinking. So we went at our thinking, and then I talked about not only serious about our thinking, but, but serious about our repentance. A repentance is a word that kind of has a bad vibe to it. Like repentance is the, uh, you feel like it's a punishment place. No, it isn't. Repentance is the place where God's grace is poured out. Repentance is the place where we are reminded of who we are, we are reminded of who God is and what God has done and the whole story from beginning to end and in the present. Repentance is a place that I've called we not only go to to come to Christ, but we as followers of Christ should frequent there often because it's a place of grace. And man, I'm about grace. So let's hang in that place and keeping even current with the Lord. And then uh, last Sunday, uh, getting serious and tenacious about our own sin. We're in Colossians chapter three, verses five through 11, where it says, put to death what is earthly in you. 
present, active, imperative in the original language. Presently, actively, continually, imperative. You must be at this God's people. And in this, I talked about how uh, I think there's a false understanding that we think, at what point in time am I going to be able to see a sin item in my life just stop and no longer prowl after me? Answer, when we see the Lord. But until then, uh, sin not only prowls outside of us, but inside of us from what we see in the text here. And we're to put those things to death in, in all of that. This is where we're at. And then today, oh, today is the, uh, the, the yang of the yang, or the yang of the yang. Uh, uh, today is the not only put off, but put on Christ-likeness. In fact, did you open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3? Colossians chapter 3. Uh, today we're going to be in verses uh, 12 through 17 in our time. Uh, let me put uh, two statements up to kind of uh, spur our thought, not only for today. The first statement will be the main uh, statement for today. The last statement, I'll just make mention literally the last couple minutes of our time today, but it's really the preemptive for next Sunday where I'm going to be bringing in real examples. And let's just talk about what this really looks like with a few examples of growing and changing in Christ. Here's the statement. The first one is living new in Christ is not about naked Christianity. Living new in Christ is not about naked Christianity. I'll explain that in just a moment. The second statement is living new in Christ is about training, not trying. Living new in Christ is about training, not trying. Um, let's go to the Lord. Lord, thank you for our time together. I just really pray that you would do a work in our lives right now. You would encourage us. You would draw us. Lord, there are probably those in the room who are tired, those in the room who are discouraged, those in the room who are just fired up and seeing joyful, wonderful things taking place. God, we bring all of it here together before you. Help us. Lord, I want to take a moment and just thank you for high five here this last week, a couple hundred children to be able to minister to all week long. I'm sure there are some tired eyes in this room this morning from teens and adults who served in that way. Encourage them. God, I pray for our children that they would be growing in their knowledge of you. I even pray that there would be some children who would drive the stake in the ground and receive Christ as their Savior and seek after following him. God, I even just rejoice in recent weddings that have taken place, Nathan and Mackenzie and Tyler and Marissa and Blake and Becca. Celebrate that. Uh, we pray for them. Might, might their marriages be marriages that are founded on you, secured in you, and living pictures of you. And lastly, Lord, I, I just pray for fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers. God, um, in a culture sometimes where dads get lost, I pray that we would be living pictures of you to the cross for not only our family, but for our children and for the gospel. We need men who love Jesus. That's what we need. And I pray you would raise us up to be those kind of men for your glory. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Naked Christianity. Living new in Christ is not about naked Christianity. Naked Christianity is only when God's people are about taking off. Last Sunday was about put off. 
It was about uh, put off uh, what is earthly in you. It's easy to be about what not to do. Uh, There's a bit of Pharisee in all of us. And we can very easily kind of uh, lean into that realm of it's like, stop, stop, stop. No, no, no. Don't, don't, don't. You know, I'll say this. Legalism, legalism, legalism. I mean, it's very easy for us to lean into that, uh, but uh, that's not who we're supposed to be. Last Sunday we did. We talked about put off what is earthly in you and two reasons for that. Because sin is serious to God and also because our identity is in Christ. Our identity is in Christ. And out of that, uh, we can stop there and we can think, it. well, it is just about no. It is about stop. It is about just fighting against and putting off and, and putting to death as the text talked about. And just be no, no, no people. We can be no, no, no persons. We can be no, 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 no parents. It's easy, isn't it, parents? We can be no, no, no pastors in all of that. But we're just straight up on the table Uh, Not only uh, if that is you or if that is me, not only are we exasperating to be around, no, 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 people are just exasperating to be around. But not only that, but you are not living out what a biblical view of growing in Christ is. I'll say it this way. Yes, take off, but put some clothes on, man. All right? Put some clothes on, woman. I want for you to understand, in Colossians chapter 3 in the text, the verbiage that's used back in that day literally was the verbiage when this was read, they would understand immediately they're picturing clothing taken off. And it's take off what is earthly in you and throw it away. Put it away. Get rid of it. That is not your identity. And, and then it's like, but I'll note that, note this, hey, w- w- naked people hide. I mean, naked people don't move forward. I'll even say this. Think of it. Even, even an atheist or, or, or a good moral person, they, if you read through those items in the text, they want to oftentimes put those away in their own life. Christ's likeness doesn't really start showing in us until we put on Christ's likeness. There is a put off and there is a put on. It's when we put on the new clothes of Christ's likeness that, man, I'm telling you, the ying is now yanged in the whole of it. And now we are moving and really picturing the whole reality of it. They put the dirty, old, gnarly clothes of unchristlikeness off, but put some clothes on, man. Put some clothes on. Now, by the way, with that, just before we dive into that, uh, your areas of growth. As a church, a few months ago, I asked, pick an area of growth that you believe the Lord would love to see you grow in. One area of growth you could share with someone. My area was gratefulness. And I don't know what your area was with that. And then an area to where it's just between you and the Lord, just between you and the Lord. Let, let, let me kind of uh, say it this way. Maybe yours is a put off item. Like for instance, anger. I want to put off an angry, critical, or controlling spirit. Question, what's the put on to replace that? Because put some clothes on, man. Uh, there should be a replacement of that. Uh, uh, put off lust, jealousy, discontented heart. What's the replace that with? What's the put on of that? Or I want to put off an eating disorder. I want to put off foul language. What's the put on with that? We're going to be talking more specifically about this next Sunday when we pull all of these together. And I'll add this while I'm there. If if yours is a put on, what's the put off? Like for instance, uh, I want to have an increasing growing love for the Lord or an increasing growing love for others. Okay, then what's going on in your life that also needs to be with that put off? 
and uh, another, I want to have more increased time of prayer with the Lord or increased time in scripture. Okay, that's fine. But what do you need to put off to do that? Or I want to put on self-control or I want to put on a giving spirit or I want to put on gratefulness. What needs to be put off with that? This is the yin and yang of growing in Christ, the put off and the put on. And, and, and God's people, we are to be about taking off the old dirty clothes, but we are also to be about putting on the clothes of Christ-likeness. By the way, uh, naked people don't move forward. If they're moving forward through the streets, that's called streaking and that's illegal. Okay, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't be that. Put some clothes on. Okay, that, that's where we're at right here in the text. Let me read Colossians 3 here. Let me pick up in verse 1, actually, and, and we'll move our way through. If then you have been raised with Christ, verse 1, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. Where is that? At the right hand of God the Father. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, I love that, uh, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is from last Sunday, so our identity is all in there. Uh, made new, uh, called anew, uh, uh, equipped for new, kind of all in verses 1 through 4. Verse 5, last Sunday, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual morality and impurity and passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry, because on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Yes, sin is serious to the Lord. Verse 7, and in these you too once walked and you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Don't just put them off, but get rid of them. I like anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Verse 9, do not lie to one another. Oh, that's interesting. Do not, it's not just do not lie, but do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave free, but Christ is all and in all. He is our identity. And all of that is in the context of the verbiage of present active imperative. We are to presently, actively, continuously, imperatively, we must be living that. And then we come to verse 12. Put on then, or I think New International Version has, I mean, English Standard Version says, uh, put on therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Let's hold there for a moment because there's uh, some really important things uh, that uh, take place here. This is also present active imperative. Put on, it's presently, actively, continuously putting on. It's putting on and putting on. It's not put on until you arrive. You won't. Uh, you just won't. We won't. I, I wish we would. Uh, but it's putting on, putting on, putting on as we're putting off, putting off, putting off. And yet in this, uh, it, there's a then or a therefore, uh, which is an interesting because as Paul is writing, really inspired by the Lord as writing down what God's words are for us, it, it's almost like put on then. It's almost like, you know, after the put off that we have to put some clothes on, like put on the clothes they're waiting for it. So it's like, it, it, it's, it's assumed Listen, don't just be a put-off person. Be a put-on person. Let's get dressed up, folks. Like, let's get dressed up in Christ-likeness. Bing, bling, bam. Let's be that. We should be expecting that in what's taking place. And I want to note there's three titles associated with a person in Christ because I think these three titles are really important because these three titles are actually, I believe, encouragement 
put on there then God's chosen ones. Title number one. Now, now that always has a, a, a verbiage that causes a number of people's theological hairs to uh, fly up on their neck. Um, I just want for you to know I did not write this. But God did. And it says, as God's chosen ones. But I remember being on a playground about a kickball when I was in elementary. Do kids still play kickball? Kickball was awesome. You got to throw the ball at each other and like, wham. Okay. <laughs> My wife didn't like it so much because she usually got hammered in, with the kickball in the head. Um, okay, I'm off notes. Um, we think of chosen as like, who's the best, therefore I choose you. I want for us to help us understand this. And I encourage you to remember that God's, um, that God's thinking and God's ways are bigger than ours. And that maybe our view of like choosing could be different than how God sees it. Like, could that be possible? You know, we oftentimes think that God has to match our thinking. And no, we're to come and coincide with God's thinking. And here it's called God's chosen ones. It's an identity statement, as are the other two. But Doug, I'm uncomfortable with chosen. Well, let me just give you a few other verses from Scripture about God choosing. Matthew 22, 14, Jesus said, many are called, but a few are chosen. John 13, 18, Jesus said, I know whom I have chosen. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4, but no brothers, no sisters loved by God that he has chosen you. Revelation 17, 14, those with Jesus, he is referred to in that text as are called and chosen and faithful. The Bible says it. The Bible says it. Okay, but Doug, what about the free will to choose? In fact, you already began in some of your conversation this morning in saying that if you've received Christ as your Savior, what about that? Yep, I'm about that too. Why? Because the Bible's about that. John 1, 12, as many as received him. That sure sounds like a call for you to receive Christ, everyone to receive Christ as their savior, right? It's a call for you to make that choice. John 3, 16, field goal verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him. That means it sure sounds like whosoever chooses to believe in the Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's an act on our part. Oh, and then Colossians chapter one begins with, if then you have been raised with Christ, it's an if statement. So, so Doug, you're really confusing me because it has to be one answer. No, it doesn't. I'm just telling you, you want to know theologically where I'm at? It's both. It's both. So Doug, you can't do that. No, actually I can. <laughs> because the Bible says that. So what, what, why do we say the Bible can't be that and God can't say, it? I don't know. I'm just, uh, Okay. Why sometimes are we kind of with God's word to where it's like, you know, I don't like that part. And so I'm just going to like, you know, I'm just going to be out with that. I like the rest of it. Um, I didn't tear my Bible, just so you know. All right. If you thought so, gotcha. All right. All right. Let's keep going. God's chosen ones. And if you think differently on me, with me on that, well, just keep reading your Bible. Okay. Um, 
All right. As God's chosen, it's, it's an encouragement statement. You should draw you. My goodness, are you kidding me? This is a title of me. And then title too quickly, as God's holy ones. We're not perfect. We're not awesome. It's an idea of set apart. We are made perfect through the imputed righteousness of Christ put upon us, not because of us. It is because of Christ that we are holy. And that is something, oh, friend in Christ, revel in that. Also, third, there's a title as God's beloved one in the, in the original language. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a passive voice verb. That's an important thing because God is the one who is doing the action of the loving. God loves you. Chosen, holy, loved. Man, I got to tell you, that should cause you to stand up and go, Woo! I want to be more like Christ. Thank you. You guys rock. I want to be more like Christ. And especially after the put off where it's like, oh man, and then you come and it's like, okay, all right, let's go, God. Okay, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Like what kinds of things? Okay, here's the answer. Like compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Verse 13, bearing with. By the way, it's so fascinating. He's writing to believers and it says, bearing with one another. <laughs> and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. How? Like as the Lord has forgiven you. Have you ever thought about that? It is really, I'll just speak for myself. Uh, I, I oftentimes will have a harder time. I have a more strict order of forgiving than God does. Like, that's a problem. That's, that's a problem. As the Lord has forgiven you, oh, by the way, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You take all those, put them in a bundle, wrap it up in the cord of love, and boom, that's the package. Let me just make comments on each of these uh, compassionate hearts. It's a heart of compassion. A tender heart a sincere, genuine lifestyle of concern for others. By the way, Jesus had a compassionate heart. Kindness means kindliness, a goodness that's generous and genuine, a gracious sensitivity to others. Wow, Jesus was kind. Humility, having a right view of yourself before God and others. That means an appropriate lowliness of mind. It's not self-loathing, but it's also not self-loving. Humility checks our incessant expectations of others. It checks our quest for our own attention from others. Jesus was humble. Meekness. Power under control, a, 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 a powerful horse that's out in the wild. And there's a part of it that's awesome, but it's out of control. A racehorse. What a beautiful animal. In control, on game, kicking it out, down the line, through the curve, around in it all. And that's meekness. Power under control. It's a courtesy that includes a gentle willingness to make allowances for others. A willingness to suffer injury versus inflicting it back. 
Wow, Jesus was the example of meekness. Patience. The living of a long-tempered life. It, allow, uh, it allows others to fall short of your expectations. It allows others to fail your expectations. Man, that's hard. By the way, Matthew 7, uh, Jesus said, how you measure others, uh, just beware, because that's how you will be measured. Bearing with one another. By the way, Jesus was patient. Bearing with one another, literally to hold back with one another, to put up with one another, to be tolerant of others, to endure with others. Man, that's hard. Jesus lived a bearing with one another life. Forgiving one another. Literally, it can mean gracious. To be gracious. It's the mutual giving of forgiveness. It's the giving of forgiveness freely like the Lord gives. Jesus is the source of forgiveness. And take it all and wrap it all up, bind it all up in love. I mean, love should be in every one of those kinds of things. By the way, Jesus' life was wrapped in love. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Man, what a list. I mean, there you go. Like, more of that in us. By the way, the reason I'm talking about it the way that I'm talking about it is I think a big point of this is last week with the put off, okay, that's great, but even a person seeking to be increasingly moral can be that, but this is the list where it is all of a sudden, this is Christ-likeness, friend. This is where it goes counterculture to our world. This is where people really begin looking like Jesus. And it's a weighty call. And this is not a suggestion. This is a list of items that should be on the forefront of our minds with a serious tenaciousness. That in me, Lord. Let's go after it. This is usually, in my experience, this is usually where the conversation about growing in Christ stops out of this text. And actually, I think this is the point where the end of the conversation leaves us feeling like losers, guilty, like, man, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I'm so just discouraged. And so basically, you're given a call to try again and to try harder this time. By the way, may I just make reference to that second statement? A living new in Christ is, is about training, not trying. We'll lean into that next Sunday. This is not a call to, to try harder, friends. First of all, this is a call to understand. And then it's actually the rest of the paragraph. In the epistles, it, thought moves by paragraph. And oftentimes it's here where the paragraphs gets cut off. The rest of the paragraph, I think, is paramount in understanding. How do we do that then? Because we can be so defeated right here. It's like, I want to be that. I really do. I'm trying so hard. And I will say this. Stop trying and start letting. But why do I say that? Because it's followed with three lets. 
Let, let's, let's follow these three lets because I actually think these are then the, the activity that needs to happen because letting something happen is a participatory thing that you do. It's something that you don't sit back and let it happen. No, no, no. This is a call to let it happen. Let this happen here up in the mind here. And what is it? There are three of them. The first one is, and let the peace of Christ rule. Verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, your heart, your control center. That's your, your head, your mind, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. I love this. It's like out of this, we feel this urge to be pharisaical and try harder and try harder and try harder. And the first thing out of the gate in this sentence is, hey, get some, let peace of Christ reign. Let, let it rule. It's kind of like causes us to take a breath and stop. It's like before we go charging out of the gate, let's understand what's going on here. There's a peace of Christ, a peace of Christ. This is not some inner Yoda, Zen-like, you know, mystical peace thing within us. Philippians 4, 7, uh, uh, 4, verse 7 says, The peace of God that surpasses all understanding and guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There, there is a, a peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It doesn't mean you shouldn't know it. It means we should dwell on it. In other words, the peace of Christ and having secured our salvation in him. Oh my goodness, hang on that. Dwell on that. Let that reign. Let that rule. having been at the time of your salvation sealed and indwelled by the Spirit of God. Let that rule and take peace in that. Friend, because of Christ and the work of Christ, and at the time that you, if you have received Christ as your Savior, at the time that that transaction took place and the imputed righteousness of Christ was there to cover your sinfulness, at that point in time, there is peace with God. Positionally. You may say, well, I'm not feeling a whole lot of peace in this world right now. I know, because we live in a broken world. But you have been given peace with the Lord. And while we were once titled lost and condemned and enemies of God, you are now titled as well, chosen and holy and beloved of God. Take a breath, everyone. Let it rule. I love this. Let it be the arbitrator and umpire of your mind. You know, an umpire, ball, strike, you know, it's like, make a ruling. That thought that's in my mind right now, that is not true. Get out of here. That's, that's the peace of Christ rule. Like the work of Christ and, and, and the righteousness of Christ. Uh, 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 let it rule. Let it be the one that renders the verdict. Not you, not our world. Let it have controlling interest over our thinking, the peace of Christ, and be thankful. You see, when there's peace of Christ ruling, thankfulness just flows out. It doesn't mean that life becomes easy. It doesn't mean that all of our external problems or even internal struggles are gone, but there can be thankfulness there because even just a little moment ago when I made mention of the peace of Christ reigning, you all said amen on that. And in all of that, there is thankfulness. 
And when that's happening, thankfulness, gratefulness, oh, that's a big one for me, is reigning. And let, again, we're to be active participants of letting the peace of Christ rule. It doesn't say sit back and pray for it just to all of a sudden, boop, happen in you. No, let it happen. You cannot control others, but you have control over your mind. And let the peace of Christ rule. And then secondly, let the word of Christ dwell, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The word of Christ. How do we know what the word of Christ is? Well, we know what the word of Christ is by the written word of God. The only way, friends, that you and I know about Christ, what he has done, who he is, who God is, what's taking place, is by the word of God. So it's a call to let the word of Christ reign in you. Friends, Christian books are great, and I'm great with reading, but Christian books at the same time are not scripture. Uh, Sermons are great, but scripture contains the words of God. And ultimately, it's God's word that should be the thing that is dwelling in. I love that word. It just dwells. It's like, uh, I don't know. I give a sound to it. But it's just, it's just kind of like they're dwelling. You know, you could say, yeah, I got that book dwelling in my house. And which means, yeah, it's sitting on a shelf somewhere. I don't know. That's all dusty. And it's dwelling there. No, it's not. Not this kind of way. Dwelling is richly means it's in the center of the house. It is the item that is the central governing force of where it is dwelling, where the word of God is the dwelling force. It should be with that noise in our heads. This is what's dwelling in it. It's like, but I don't know God's word very well. Well, then get in it. Seriously. Then get after it. We're here to help you with that. I, I want to motivate you in God's word. But if you're not in it, listen, this is not eat once a week. This is dive in, buffet it all the time, man. Put the clothes on. <laughs> I just can't get off of that. Let it dwell. And let it dwell ritually, not pauper-like. Let it dwell supremely, not infrequently. Let it dwell with lots, not little bits. Let it. Again, there's an ask for us to allow it. Listen, stop some of the noise in our heads. And let the peace of Christ and the word of Christ Rule and dwell. And then lastly, and let the name of Christ compel. Verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything. That's like a lot of things, isn't it? In fact, if I understand the definition of whatever you do and everything, it's like doubled up, ponied up there. It's like everything. And whatever you do, in word or deed, isn't it interesting? It's like we, we need to be told very clearly. <laughs> it's when everything that we do, word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's kind of a fascinating reminder. God's people, 
Our identity is not a code. Our identity is not some handshake. Our identity is not a rule list. Our identity is not a church. Our identity is the name of Jesus. He is our identity. Hey, in this day and age, fly that flag. That's the flag we rise on the post. The name of Jesus. Our identity is in his name. We are saved because of the name of Jesus. We live under the name of Jesus. We are representatives of the name of Jesus. We are called to live for the glory and the fame of the name of Jesus. It is the name of Jesus that compels us. Too often, what compels us is our comfort and not the name. I'm compelled to have a more comfortable life with less problems. And if Jesus will bring that for me, then I'm in. Friends, that is not the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ is that he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And he's made that available to all. And if you've driven the stake in the ground and received Christ as your savior, he has covenanted himself to you. And whether it means martyrdom or whether it means something else, it's about the name of Jesus that compels us. Why put off? Why put on? Because friends, if you are in Christ, you're compelled to. Why wouldn't we want? Only putting on what, putting off what is earthly in us ends up having us look like moral people, not necessarily Christ-like people. But the putting off, put some clothes on, please. Living new in Christ is not about naked Christianity. And I'll just finish with this. Living new in Christ is about training, not trying. I'm literally trying to make a, a, a joint movement from this Sunday to next. Let me just take another minute or two here. It's about training, not trying. This has been a super helpful thought for me just literally in recent weeks. It's from Wilborn and Gregor's book, The Cross Before Me. <clears throat> trying. Trying is what we typically do after a text like this. Let's go home and let's try harder. Let's even try harder to think of the name and think of the peace with Christ. Let's just try harder. But trying is a life consumed with arduous attempts to achieve the end. And training is a life engaged in the intentional process of increased proficiency. Let me say that one more time. Trying is a life consumed with arduous attempts to achieve the end. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like, you know what? I, I, I'll just make this up. I've always wanted to run a marathon. I actually kind of think that would be cool. I'd never have. 
but, but it's like, you know, I, I, I want to run a marathon, and so I'm going to try. So I sign up, and I go try. I haven't done any training. I'm just going to try. And I get to mile three, mile five, and marathons stink. <laughs> right? I, I am an utter failure. I'm out. And then it comes along, I'm going to try again. So I sign up for a marathon, and I try again, and I get to mile seven, and I still stink, and I quit, and I feel, and then I try again, and I try again, because I keep signing up for marathons because I want to cross the finish line, but there's not been training, there's been trying. Training is the idea of, listen, I would love to see, let me put it this way, I would love to see Christ's likeness as a resounding reality in my life. I'm training to that. And that means I'm going to start out by walking to the end of my driveway and back. And that's all I can do. Literal story of an old neighbor when I was in elementary school. That's all he could do. And then he got to where he could walk down the road a little bit and come back. And then as time went on, he was able to walk around the block and then over months, he began doing some jogging. It was, I think, two years before he could get to the point of running a marathon. That's training, not trying. That in us. Disciples are training are in training to be increasingly like our Lord. Together, let's cheer each other on. We're training, we're moving, we're heading, we're going, we're working. Don't walk out this door thinking, oh, I gotta work harder. Stop it. Stop it this week and start thinking. Let the name compel. Let the word of Christ uh, be the dwell. And you got it? We're in training. Thank you. Lord, thank you for our time. God, you are so kind. You understand our frame. You understand our frailty. You understand even our brokenness. It is out of that reality that the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, came boots on the ground to do for us what we could not do for ourselves and make his work available to all. Maybe there's someone in this room that has never come to that point of receiving Christ as their Savior, has come to that point of going from just knowing about Jesus to actually stepping in and receiving Christ and following the Lord. Literally, if they have not made that decision, I pray that they would today. God, for those who are in Christ... I'm actually going to guess a lot of us are discouraged with our lives before you. Father, I don't want to guilt the room. I want to encourage this room. God, I pray this week that we would lean into you, that we would allow the truths of your word to encourage us and even to begin reshaping how we think. You've called us to put off. You've called us to put on. That is in our mind. 
God, maybe a great place today to start is even repentance. That place of, Lord, I've been lazy in you. And I want to lean into you with a fresh new spirit, not a spirit to try harder, but a spirit to love you more. Help us to lean in. In Christ's name we pray.